Hello and welcome to another edition of School Safety News. I'm Dr. Amy Klinger and I'm flying solo today. Amanda is not here and she is out of town and unable to record today. So it's just going to be me, but we've got some very interesting stories that we need to discuss. Some of you may be watching this. Uh, this is also the maiden voyage of our video version of the School Safety News podcast and now the video cast. So welcome to those of you who are watching this on video. Those of you that are still involved in the podcast, we're happy that you're here and we hope you continue to subscribe and be involved as well. So we want to um, have this particular episode really talk about some of the recent developments that have occurred um, in, res in connection with the tragic shooting at Parkland back in February. And so I want to take a little bit of a chronological approach to some of these. There's been a lot of media coverage and a lot of things going on, but I want to just touch on a few highlights and as usual, um, talk about a few takeaways. So I want to start early in November. Uh, this is mid-November when one of the families uh, who lost a child at Parkland um, announced that they were suing the FBI based on crucial evidence that could have prevented the shooting that was not handled correctly. Um, they talk in particular about the fact that back in January, someone that knew the shooter called the FBI with the tip line um, with some very specific warnings. Uh, I know he's going to explode. He's going to slip into a school and start shooting the place up. So there were some very specific warnings that were mishandled. And so that really, or at least allegedly, were mishandled. And so that really, um, it was sort of the beginning of some recent events that have occurred. Then we transitioned to about a week or so later, again, this is in November, um, where there was an incident that occurred in at the Broward County Sheriff's Office in the Broward County Jail um, with the shooter, Nicholas Cruz, um, being charged with additional crimes based on an incident that occurred. He was told by one of the sheriff deputies to stop dragging his sandals as he was walking um, in the jail. Um, he responded by giving the officer the middle finger. The officer walked up to him and then um, Cruz struck him uh, multiple times in the face. They ended up in a physical altercation. So additional charges have been filed. So of course that sort of happened at the same time that all of these um, new allegations and new lawsuits and the commission investigating has all been occurring. So again, we clearly have an incident of um, somebody that it, a very troubled, violent person being involved in this. Um, they listed new charges, aggravated assault, battery, and the use of an electronic or chemical weapon against a law enforcement officer because of the um, taser that was involved. So that occurred. And then we move on to probably the most um, uh, insightful or the most riveting information that's been coming out, um, but equally sad, and that has been an update on the work of the commission that is investigating the Parkland shooting. Um, and back in the end of November, just before Thanksgiving, um, they had additional hearings and released some information. And I just kind of want to take a second and talk a little bit about some of the things that were discussed. There was a review of the incident, what occurred, 
um, the way that it occurred, what the response was, and so on. Clearly, there were issues that they discuss about um, the lack of response, the lack of response on both part of law enforcement, but also on the part um, potentially of educators within the building. One of the things that was talked about was the lack of training for the school staff, um, both for active shooter situations and potentially for others. Um, there was evidence presented that suggested that many of the staff members had directed students back towards the campus after the shooting, even when the code red had been called. Um, it, and I'm, I'm quoting from what was told to the commission. It's a lack of training. They weren't drilled enough. They were not well trained on what to do. And we see that so often where there is this complete lack of training. And if there is any training, it's very heavily geared towards really specific response to an active shooter situation, not necessarily geared towards violence prevention or identifying uh, individuals of concern or even being able to respond to other incidents of violence that aren't a classic textbook active shooter situation. Um, there also was discussion about the fact that other officers from Broward County Sheriff's Office had not had any active shooter training in the past year, and it had been almost two years before. Um, there were issues with officers directing traffic instead of moving towards the school, and all different sorts of concerns that were raised. Um, there, as, as a result, there's been a number of things that are beginning to happen to hold individuals accountable for this. And I think this is what's becoming particularly both interesting and sad is this process of examining what occurred, why it occurred, what could have been done differently, what are the lessons that can be learned, and then perhaps what has not happened in the past holding individuals accountable for what occurred or did not occur. And so there have been a number of resignations and reassignments that occurred. Um, probably the most significant from an education viewpoint um, occurred at the beginning part of this particular month when there were three administrators from Stoneman Douglas High School that are now suing um, the district because they have been reassigned and they feel they're being scapegoated um, in what they allege is illegal and politically motivated disciplinary actions when they were removed and reassigned from the building into uh, a district level position. And they were given disciplinary notices um, where in this case they're being blamed for what they say were their heroic actions that they moved to the event and attempted to do what they could in that particular event and so there's a lot of allegations about the scapegoating and so on, but there has been a lot of pressure on the school board to hold employees accountable. Um, they started out by firing two security monitors, but have not really looked at people in leadership positions. And in the, as a result of this commission um, examination that occurred in a few weeks before, um, they really have looked at the warning signs that were ignored um, from the killer the fact that gates were unlocked and unmanned, that the emergency lockdown was not appropriately enacted and responded to. They were unable to create safe spaces in classrooms to shelter kids. Um, bathrooms were locked so that students were not able to um, find a place to hide. And so there are allegations of this 
ineffective leadership, both on the part of the school as well as the Broward County Sheriff's Office. Um, in addition, um, there's also some issues where that, that really sort of point to that. The district did not have a policy about locking gates or bathroom doors. Um, they did not have an active shooter uh, policy for lockdown. So it, it's very telling that there is beginning to be this sort of accountability and pulling the thread that I think should be an object lesson or be of interest to all educators um, as we sit in our schools and we have school leaders who are not necessarily um, taking this seriously or not necessarily looking at what can we do, what can we do better, what, you know, th this sort of denial that this would ever occur, which, which clearly, you know, that's a human nature trait. Um, but we have to be able to acknowledge that there is the potential for violence in schools, not just active shooter, but other kinds. We have to be able to acknowledge that we need to be investigating and looking at threats um, and really start to look at the lessons that can be learned here from Parkland. Um, so I think it's very interesting to kind of um, see, and, and it's, to be honest, very, very tragic as well, because as you look at this particular incident with the administrators, you have, there were, as a result of these moves for these three administrators, there were a lot of protests um, from parents and teachers and people that were protesting on behalf of these administrators in support of them. Uh, but yet, on the other hand, um, we, we sort of pull the thread and we see that there were a lot of failings. Um, it was three minutes after the shooting started before a lockdown was even called. Um, there were monitoring of security cameras, but not necessarily response. Um, lots of different things happening. And at the same time, you have this, this movement um, to support or try to to shore up the, the administrators and the, the folks in leadership positions, you also have the demands, justifiably so, of the families to know what happened and what were the failures and who is going to be held accountable for the failures that resulted in the death of their children. So, you know, it, it, it's a very tragic situation in many, many ways with a lot of emotion and a lot of, um, back and forth as the commission really does uh, the, a very difficult situation of looking at all the aspects of this of this complex problem to see who should have done what, what could be done differently, who should be held accountable. But I think the thing that one of the takeaways for us outside of the, the people in, involved in this situation in Florida is to really look at what can we be doing? Uh, what should we be looking at in our own individual districts? Do we have these policies? Are we implementing them? And, and the, the big takeaway that you're going to see, I believe, over and over and over, is this lack of training. That even if adequate policies are in place and we're not training people on an ongoing basis in an appropriate fashion, that there is a cost to us. There is a a accountability factor that we should be held accountable for if we are failing to provide people with the training that they need to keep kids safe. So I think it's going to be interesting to see um, over the course of time this sort of 
very bitter, very tragic, very sad sort of situations as we look at the overall picture of the Parkland shooting and really start to try to have some good come from it or something positive arise from it so that we can try to prevent anyone from ever having to live through this horrific tragedy again. So as we move through the School Safety News podcast this year, we'll be touching on this again because I think it really is um, a, a situation very different perhaps than past school shootings where there will be accountability and where there will be a very thorough examination um, of what people knew and why they didn't respond in a way that would have potentially saved lives. So that's our particular emphasis this week on the school safety news. If you are interested in staying up to date on the field of school safety, we have two podcasts and video casts for you. Um, This one is our more serious one where we talk about the news of the week. We also have the school safety free period, which is a little more informal, a little more lighthearted, where we sort of talk about some of the lighter side of things, some of the absurd and kind of ridiculous things. Again, coming at this from the perspective of not only looking at what occurred, but also looking at what are the takeaways? What can we learn from this as educators and how can we apply that to our schools? So you can get those podcasts anywhere that you normally do, iTunes, Stitcher, a variety of places. You can also download download them directly from our website, eschoolsafety.org. Our video podcasts you can get from our website as well, um, as well as on our YouTube channel. So this is a new kind of initiative we're experimenting with a bit, Uh, but we think it's important to really be able to get this information out and have some discussions on this really critical topic. So I encourage you to be in touch with us. Let us know what we can do to help, um, what information you'd like to hear more about. Uh, Next time we get together, hopefully Amanda will be here as well so we can have a little more interaction. And I thank you and until next time.